This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath heading into the second hour of the program. Thank you so much for being here with me this evening. It is uh, greatly appreciated. I really, this show is nothing without you. <laughs> and me, of course. <laughs> It's all about me. No, it's about Amir. It's about you, Amir. Oh, I would love that. Let's just do the second hour, just the Amir show. It's exactly <laughs> the Amir and Momo show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before the break, I talked. I had an email from a gentleman who's been on antidepressants. That's one of the biggest complaints is the sexual side effects that are linked to antidepressants. So I'm going to review that. Going to review some of the apologies that some of those violent, aggressive, evil you know, nearly criminal men, uh, criminal men, <laughs> creeps, uh, that have been uh, taken down from their throne, have fallen from grace, if they ever had any grace, uh, <laughs> that in some of their apologies and what that means and, you know, and how to apologize. And also marriage counseling, is it going to lead to your divorce and why? And that is uh, a scary proposition. And also how to have better sex. I mean, that's what it's all about. We're going to debunk some myths, and uh, which is really the basis of the work that I do. Uh, you know, in terms of I, I'm really just educating people who come into my clinical practice. I had a fellow in my clinical practice this week. He was in with his wife. And he said, in your TEDx talk, which um, has had uh, seven, almost 7.2 million views in a wow. year. And they said nobody would watch it. <laughs> In your face. <laughs> exactly. Really? You know what? Anyway, we won't go there. It doesn't matter. But I did have an email, and I want to read this to you. But this fellow said, in your TEDx talk, Maureen, you said, men cheat to remain in sexless marriages, and women cheat to leave. And it's a very general statement, but it applies to a lot of people. And we just see that clinically, myself and my colleagues see that in the clinical practice, have seen that over a number of years, because, uh, you know, men deal with stress through sex, men deal with intimacy, they want to feel bonded, they want to feel close, they need to have sex. A lot of women need to have sex as well. Unfortunately, we've had some uh, inappropriate education and some influences, much like this emailer has um, had in his life. So I'll read this email to you. Dear Maureen, I watched your So True to Life TEDx presentation and how calm and natural and totally knowledgeably you reached your audience. Sadly, I am nowhere near you. What you said about sex becoming technologically computer-based, on the button. After many decades of a marriage with a wonderful wife who was far too influenced in her teen years at school that sex was only to be done in a marriage and to have children, thereafter, no further need to have sex. You know, that's the case for a lot of people. And a lot of people are, are women are not educated about pleasure. Women are ashamed about sexual desire. And therefore, many women miss out on one of the greatest pleasures in life. And that is having a great and intimate sex life and being playful and having fun in the bedroom and perhaps bringing toys in. Of course, you know, the only toy that I suggest you bring in is the womanizer. <laughs> uh, it's a clitoral suckling device. It's fantastic. This program is brought to you by the womanizer. Me. No. Um, but I do have a little prize to give out tonight. Uh, something else that, uh, you know, can be playful in the bedroom for people, but so many people are so afraid of it. But Harvard actually has 
a course on it for a week long for their freshman students entering uh, the program. Uh, and so I have a little prize for you. It's a, it's a little anal play starter kit. Um, I was actually at the do- at my doctor, and I'm like, I'm in a total hurry. I just need the requisition, and uh, I'm in a hurry. I got to go to the show. Hence the anal plugs in my bag. <laughs> at which point he goes on to tell me all of these stories about these patients of his and when he was in medical school and all these things. And, and we were howling and I'm like, I'm feeling horrifically guilty because there's a just a, a million people in his waiting room. And, and one of them actually said to me, why do you think it's, it takes so long? Uh, and I'm, and that those words were just entering my head as I was in there laughing hysterically with the doctor. Anyway, that's what's going on in there. <laughs> we're sharing sex stories. And <laughs> anyway, so I have a little question for you. So what quality is attractive in women and unattractive in men? Give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell to win my little prize because we are going to be talking about anal play in the bedroom and how to get comfortable with that. Many men desire anal play, but they are afraid to mention it to their lovers, their partners, the heterosexual men I'm talking about right now. They are, and that's not to say that all men like anal play or that uh, men in same-sex relationships uh, like anal play. They may not. So, you know, we just don't tar everybody with the same brush. So just keep that in mind. But there's me- there are many men who enjoy anal play, would like to participate in that with their partner, but they're afraid to actually say it to their partners because they're afraid that their partners will think that they are gay. Okay, so they have this sort of homophobia. And, and so that actually may mean that they don't have as fulfilling of a sex life as they could, and they may not have as much fun in the bedroom as they could. And certainly, uh, anal play is becoming much more popular today, and there's lots more education around it. And I'm going to give you a little bit more education tonight and just let you know just how you can feel like the boss lady if you engage in anal play. So it uh, can be fun because you know what? You can be at work and you can just be managing everything and, you know, be the one in charge and always have to make decisions. And, you know, sometimes you just want to go home and you just want to be the sub the submissive one. You want to have somebody else take charge. And with anal play, this is a way, um, this is a way for you to um, engage in that. Anyway, so we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. But we're talking about, um, but in actuality, the only toy that you really need is the womanizer. Personally, <laughs> personally, like every woman needs one. And, and you know what? And, you know, I get women in my clinical practice and Oh, this this amazed me. We've had a few wedding announcements, you know, around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a few wedding announcements. One notable notable one in uh, in England over there, across the pond, with Meghan Markle and uh, Prince oh, Harry. Yeah. Oh, you forgot about yeah. that one, Amir. Yeah. <laughs> there's really some, too into the royal family, to be honest. There's but. some other ones that are more important. We know, but <laughs> <laughs> but this one in particular. So I had a woman in my clinical practice this week, and I'd seen her maybe about a year ago. And she said, oh, I got married, by the way. And I said, oh, congratulations. That's wonderful. And she told me all about the wedding and they were dancing and they had 50 people there and blah, blah, blah. And she went on and on. And she said, "Uh, you know that I'm in a a sexless marriage. And I had forgotten, basically, because I only have like 5,000 patients. (laughs) And I can't remember. Well, they're all basically are. So there's only one person in my clinical practice at the moment that's having sex. But anyway, and that's me. No. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, 
<laughs> no, no, I, I'm not in my clinical practice. Of the patients, there is one. Anyway, um, so I, I said, uh, and how long have you been? How long have you been together with your partner? And she said, you're now husband. And she said, 12 years. Yeah. And they have not had sex, have not had intimate relations for 12 years. Oh and he married her. I, I was up front with her. I was just like, see, I mean, and this is the thing. And this is why I think that TEDx talk has had so many views because people get married for reasons other than I am crazy yeah. in love with you. You know, and, and often people get married to resolve the issues that occurred in their childhood. And so they want somebody who they think may be able to financially support them or comes from the right home. Or, you know, one fellow I know said he never thought anybody like this particular woman would ever look at him. And so he just thought that she was um, way better than he was. And the fact that she liked him you know, was was something he wasn't necessarily in love with her. And he went on to have a very traumatic marriage. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about him a bit later. But anyway, those are the subjects we're talking about. But I do want to quickly mention about the because before the break, I read an email from a gentleman who was on antidepressants, is in on is on antidepressant medication. And uh, he's found sexual side effects where he has low libido. And that is a very common, in fact, it's the most common complaint of a great medication that uh, is used to treat depression. And and so, of course, we have vitamin D that's a contributor, lack of exercise, but also people who have depression can't go out and exercise. You know, people use substances when they have depression. Um, so, you know, it's always good to get to the root of it. But why do antidepressant medications cause sexual side effects? These these, they, by raising the levels of serotonin in your body, you will experience a feeling of calm and less anxiety. And what does that do? It actually lowers your libido. So that's why it prevents the hormones that cause your bodies to respond to sex from transmitting that message to your brain. And so antidepressants basically they turn the dial down on your sex drive. And I am trying to turn the dial up on your sex drive through the Sunday Night Sex Show. These sexual side effects affect men and women equally the same. But for women, it may, they may experience delayed lubrication as well as delayed or blocked orgasm. So the common side effects in men include decreased libido and also many men may experience difficulty getting an erection. And so others may have difficulty maintaining that erection and there can be delayed or blocked orgasm as well. And medications like Celexa has been known to cause a man's sperm count to drop to nearly zero. So keep that in mind if you're having fertility issues. There are a whole lot of uh, side effects as well that may contribute to sexuality or low libido like weight gain, nausea, dizziness, and feelings of sluggishness. So how do you manage these side, sexual side effects of your antidepressants? You may want to adjust your dose. Talk to your doctor about it. Antidepressants can affect your sex drive almost at any dose. But you know what? You may want to change. It makes sense that higher doses result in increased risks of higher of uh, sexual side effects. 
And you want to talk to your doctor perhaps about switching to a lower dose. You want to consider the timing of when you take your medications. And when it comes to sex, timing's everything. And this is, in particular, this is true if your prescription medication decreases your libido. So if you take your antidepressants once a day, you may be able to solve that issue by taking your medication after the time of day you normally engage in sexual intercourse. So in other words, have AM sex, then take your antidepressant. Or... Uh, you know, you can take your antidepressant any time after that. Uh, one of the, um, you know, one of the downsides is it makes sex less spontaneous. But if you schedule sex every single morning, huh, nothing wrong with that. You want to maybe reassess your prescription. And if changing the dose and the timing doesn't um, address your sexual problems, don't give up. You may need to consider switching your brand. Um, and there are some that are, you know, that don't work on the anxiety so much that some actually give you a little bit more energy. So they may also want to add another prescription. Remember to, remember to exercise and low sugar in your diet, no alcohol. And, um, you know, just watch out, keep a diary. Uh, make sure that your that in fact, your libido may not be just continuously dropping. Anyway, so those are some tips. You can always email me, sextalk at cknw.com. I'm Maureen. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Thank you so much for being here with me this evening. I want to talk to you a little bit about um, how marriage counseling can lead to divorce. <laughs> You wouldn't think that, would you? Seems counterproductive. It does seem counterproductive and certainly counterintuitive. And I've had the question so many times, which made me look into it a little bit more. And, you know, I think people are nervous to go and deal with their issues. I think it takes a very strong person to to do that, uh, to look into what's going on. You know, denial is a drug and it's so much easier to remain in that place of, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. And everything is fine. I don't want to look at it. If we look at it, if you see my imperfections, if you see my weaknesses, then you may not love me. You may not. uh, In fact, you may leave me. And also, there's just so much fear around if I'm not perfect, then you may not love me anymore. Or I may find out something. A lot of people are afraid of that. They are afraid that they're going to find out something about their partner, like infidelity. I had a uh, patient... uh, on, I do DigiHealth, is that what it would be called? <laughs> Digital technology through VC. It's a HIPAA-compliant platform to um, protect your privacy. And and so I, I see a lot of patients in the south, in the southern part of the U.S. And, you know, it's a very different culture there. And they're driven by uh, many different relu- rules. And often it's uh, religious rules. Mm, and so, yeah. um, And so I had a woman who contacted me because she had seen the TEDx talk as well. And she said that she had felt that, well, she married a man who felt loved her as much as her mother did. And now she's realizing that her relationship with her mother may have been pathological, may have been unhealthy. And her mother had a lot of uh, anxiety and and other issues as well. And, um, and she had been married for like 20 years. And she said she's been in a sexless marriage for 20 years. And she'd had other body image issues uh, for herself and also her partner had, um, he was quite overweight, which she wasn't attracted to. She was attracted to his brain. Anyway, enough attraction to the brain, okay? (laughs) (laughs) It needs to start to be the body. Nonetheless, let's get back to why marriage counseling may lead to divorce and why you may be 
afraid to go. Well, one thing is that a lot of marriage counselors, in fact, they say most marriage counselors have been divorced themselves or, and are biased in favor of divorce. So, you know, which is very interesting. And so, you know, there's somehow this misery loves company or don't worry, you can get divorced, you know, if a therapist says I did and, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Kind of there's this, um, you know, kind of weird subliminal uh, thing that, you know, um, that says, you know, we're all in this, we're all in this together. Anyway, we all also have a short term view of love. And so, you know, marriage is marriage and sex. They're not necessarily related. And, and this love thing means different things to different people. So we also live in a trade me in culture. And so if it doesn't work and, you know, the therapist will is, is, uh, talking about certain things and, and most counselors focus on improved communication and problem solving. My way of looking at it is getting to the root of the problem. I'm going to get to a little bit more of this when I come back after the break. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday night sex show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show. We are in the final strokes of the program. Hopefully you're getting a few strokes out there yourselves. Uh, anyway, I wanted to continue a little bit um, uh, with the subject of going to a marriage counselor might end your marriage sooner than you had hoped. One of the other reasons that I thought was interesting was that the marriage counselors are designed for women. And never was this more apparent than in my office this week where this uh, couple had come in and and I see this quite a bit. Men struggle with getting the words out. So much so that I'm like, you know, we only have an hour here. Can you hurry up? Just pull out those words. <laughs> Can I just drag those words out of your mouth, please? Obviously, I have no problem talking. Shockingly enough, I am a listener <laughs> in the clinical practice. Uh, sometimes I may not speak at all as they pour out their stories to me. But it's designed a little bit more for women who are more comfortable with communicating, more comfortable with sharing their feelings, because that is how they have been socialized. And and so some of these things don't necessarily lend themselves to uh, successful marriage counseling. And some men might think that the counselor aligns better with the woman because the two of them can connect and can talk and there's no issue in, and they may feel like the third man out. Um, so those are some of the reasons that marital therapy may not work for you. And, you know, guys are problem solvers. That's the other thing. They are doers. They want to do things. And, and even a guy this week in my office said to me, um, I just want you to know, we want to work this out. We want to be married. And I'm like, okay, I get that. That's why you're here. But you know what? He said that on behalf of himself. And I, and I noted that when he said that. And I, and I want to hear from both people. You know, is that actually what she wants? Um, you know, you just never know, right? Because oftentimes we say things in, you know, then we think we're saying it for somebody else and that may not be their true, their authentic, their genuine self. Um, and so, you have to literally find out. This couple, you know, were plagued by sexlessness over a long period of time, over a protracted marriage. Uh, they were plagued by infidelity. They were plagued by depression and anxiety and unworthiness. And given their histories of, of sexual abuse on both parts, I said to them, there was no other way this marriage was going to work out. This marriage was destined to be a disaster. I mean, which they both burst out laughing. Of course, I didn't use exactly those words, but 
you know, given the little or the paucity of sex education that that she had had uh, and given his expectation and his experience. And, you know, when a man is sexually assaulted or abused, it can be even more damaging than what dare I say, it can be even more damaging than when it happens to a woman. And and when a woman is abused and she doesn't tell her mother or she doesn't have somebody to defend her, stand up for her, put an end to it. Because that's very helpful when a mother stands up and says, oh, no, you're out of here. This is not happening again. And so it really validates the feelings of the child. That's the healthiest approach. And that's the only way that a child can possibly heal. And so that didn't happen to this woman. And also this fellow had been raped uh, in his teenage years. And he said he has persistent, invasive thoughts of uh, the fact that he is gay. And and so he's constantly trying to prove that. And I've heard that repeatedly from many men who have been raped, especially in their teenage years. So, you know, there's so many myths out there uh, around sex and you don't even know who you've married until you've shared a bathroom with them or have gone across the border with their suitcase, quite frankly. I mean, you know, these things come out and they may come out 10 years later, 12 years later, many, many years later. And, and and it's also people marry also knowing certain things about people and they want to deny it or they just think it's going to get better. And, and often it doesn't. Uh, and then they end up in my office or somebody else's. But, you know, largely I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a guide. I'm a bit of a, a navigator for people to give them direction on the type of treatment that they need. And I had another gentleman in my clinical practice, incredibly traumatic marriage, incredibly traumatic long-term marriage. And, you know, he literally was physically affected and depleted after the marriage and needed to heal. And so now he's in a new relationship and they're having troubles. And obviously they're having troubles because when you don't address the problems that you have, they're going to repeat themselves. You are the, you're doing the same actions. You are doing, you know, you are not necessarily connected spiritually to help solve your problems. I mean, I'm even guilty of, you know, looking at that which is quantifiable and looking at the evidence and looking at the science. But, you know, there's a connection to a higher power that is so important in the healing process. And and so this fellow came to me alone. He thought that a, because his girlfriend had suggested that they get marriage counseling, and, and I suggested to him that he need, needed trauma counseling. He likely, it sounded like he had complex post-traumatic stress disorder, although I cannot diagnose that. Um, did anyway. No, I'm kidding. Um, but he, you know, it sounded more like, and he was having difficulty with intimacy and difficulty connecting physically and emotionally with this person. And so I don't believe he'd ever actually process the pain of his relationship. So we have so many myths. And one of the most damaging myths out there is that sex is supposed to happen spontaneously. People get upset when I say you need to schedule sex. They think that it is very unsexy to have to do that. But you know what? I always say people have been scheduling sex since you met. 
when you were going out with somebody, when you were going on a date, getting ready, getting dressed, obviously you're, you're planning. You're taking that time out to focus on the connection between the two of you. You fantasize about meeting each other and you prepare, get excited. And this is really anticipated sex. You're likely going to have sex with that person. And so there's not a whole lot of difference when you get married and settle down, except for the fact that many people have this perception that sex is just for having children, for procreation, or for just for the fact that you're married. Many people save themselves for marriage. Uh, I had a 32-year-old woman in my clinical practice this week. She was a virgin until she was 32 years of age, and she'd always been told that sex was going to hurt. And of course, the first time she had it, it killed. And, And sex does hurt for a lot of women, but it doesn't necessarily have to. But um, once you get married and have kids and the house and the whole nine yards, time has many purposes. And so a lot of people spend so much time on the kids and the money. They don't put their, and women are very guilty of this, they don't put their husbands ahead of their kids and then all of the day-to-day logistics of life. And couples stop carving out that time together where the focus is on building and enhancing a sexual and emotional connection, that intimate bonding, that that playfulness, that exploration, that potentially bringing sex toys into the bedroom, and I'll get to that. But there are certain ways to have better sex, and this is scientific. And one of the suggestions is to watch porn together, and I think that's important to cue up those videos in advance and, you know, know what your favorites are, know what your tastes are, because this process is, you know, is uh, it can be a bit of a challenge. And so you might feel awkward in the moment. But, you know, it, it can start with, you know, making fun of the porn. You also want to make sex last, okay? Carve out an appropriate amount of time to have sex. And scientifically, the desirable length for intercourse is, yeah, it's not two minutes, guys, sorry, or ladies, everybody's going to be upset. It's 7 to 13 minutes. That's really not that long when you include foreplay in it. I mean, you can really take out that much time, but really, you need a good hour and uh, or two, um, you know, to really get down and dirty. Get down to it. Um, you know, you want to compliment your partner. Uh, it's It's been proven that women who feel confident about the appearance of their genitals are more open to different types of sexual activity and are more likely to orgasm because it's arousing and they feel relaxed. And so when you go perform oral sex on your female partner, be enthusiastic about it. Um, tell her how beautiful she is and how great she tastes. Don't treat it like a chore. And, you know, you want to take your time undressing. This is where body image comes in, and, and it's really important to feel good about your body. Um, and because you don't want to be hiding it or having the lights off or anything like that. And you know what? There's, uh, you know, the one quality that uh, escapes a fair bit of men, <laughs> and uh, don't get me wrong, is the listening. You know, you really need to listen to what a woman wants in bed. So ask her while you're not in the bedroom. Some of these discussions happen outside, like when you're having a walk or doing some other casual yet intimate activity together. You know what? Bring the kitchen into the bedroom. Bring in chocolates and whipped cream and all of those lovely things, oysters and and even some healthy foods for you. Um, you know, just to 
shake things up, make it a little bit different. Take a shower together. There's no proven human pheromone to make you irresistible. So until one is found, wash well. You can have too much of a good thing. But um, you know what? It's a good idea to get into that shower together. And don't worry so much, you know, just don't worry about your performance. Don't worry about um, getting anxious before. Try not to, you know, hope that it works. Hope everything is is all right. Take penetrative sex off the table for a month if you want and do everything around it. Those are some of the things that you can do to increase your time, your pleasurable time in the bedroom. Of course, after you've created the mood and turned the lights down. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the actual final stroke of the program. Here we are in the uh, final moments. Hope you've had a good evening since nobody has called tonight. What are we going to do about, I'm going to have yeah. to give a, yeah, no one wants these anal toys. Nobody wants to tell me the quality. That of, too. Yeah, that was the question. So am I going to, do you want to guess, venture a guess? I mean, I did, I was really curious about it actually. <laughs> um, the one thing that I thought was maybe like the hips, because you know, it's kind of an area where men are sort of biologically sort of inclined to be attracted to. Interesting. So, okay, so if if a woman has better hips, and then, so that's attractive to a guy versus yeah, nobody really, really cares about a guy's hips. hips. On guys, usually. <laughs> he has great hips. Yeah, you don't hear you, that very often. <laughs> you don't hear that too much. <laughs> it's, it's not a, hips, It's a it? brilliant guess, I have to say, but it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's nice. It's being nice. So it's a quality. Oh, have we got a? <laughs> have we got a caller? We have a caller. Just at the uh, anyway, just at the end of the program, the caller. Um, apparently, somebody may want to have a little um, learn a little bit about the next subject, which is an interesting subject. I think anal sex. Uh, it's becoming more mainstream, and it's. Um, <laughs> it's becoming more mainstream and uh and but you know what some people are afraid to say especially guys are afraid to tell the women in their lives heterosexual guys are afraid to tell the women in their lives that they would enjoy anal sex because they're afraid that they're what that the woman in their life might think that they are homosexual and that's not the case I always thought it was like, because I, I wouldn't have felt that fear, but just like they, they would think that you're gross or something. That too, or, yeah. or weird. Um, but you know what? It actually can be a very empowering situation for, uh, or type of lovemaking for uh, a couple to engage in, whether they are same-sex couples or, or not. The strap-ons are not limited to the same-sex couples. That's certainly something that uh, a woman can put on and, and feel, you know, more powerful in the bedroom, be the dominant one. It may be that, uh, you know, the it may be one or the other. These days, you never know who's making more money, who's actually out there and pounding the pavement and making more decisions and feeling like they have a lot of pressure on them. And so when they come home and they want to be intimate with their partner, you know, and, and if it's the happens to be the guy that you know, needs a bit of a break from all of the, uh, you know, decision-making and mansplaining that he's been doing at work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but there are a couple of rules around it, so just think about it. It's not something to be uh, it, 
um, you know, eliminated right off the bat, or it's certainly not limited to creepy people or any time sex is mutual and consenting, it's healthy, you know, and, and, and it increases that bond. And anytime there's more exploration and, and more fun, you know, it actually leads to better lives for, for everybody quite frankly. Um, but there's a couple of uh, rules around it. Uh, one thing is that it shouldn't hurt, and that's where lube comes in, and that's where the anal trainers come in as well. So there are a number of anal trainers on the market. And um, so you want to use lots of lube. You want to relax and breathe. You want to start small. The whole point of anal play is to keep it simple before working your way up. So in order to prepare a bottom for sex play, you may want to start with fingers, a tongue, or a very small sex toy that is designed for uh, butt play. Um, so there are, as I mentioned, there are anal trainers that are available. You can email me if you're too embarrassed, honestly, for this prize. I get it. Email me, sextalk at cknw.com, uh, and I will send it to you. Uh, the person doing it should err on the shallow side so that everything that goes in should just be the tip, basically, because the nerve endings you're trying to stimulate are in the anus, and that is not very far into um, the rectum. So it's the, so that moniker rimming is where that comes in because you're not all the way in there because that's the, the painful part when it goes too deep. So you just go just a little bit um, inside. Uh, so it should literally just be like the tip, just like hitting the rim of a basketball hoop. Um, there's a, there's a visual, but anyway, (laughs) um, you can vary up the positions. Uh, there should never be any rapid fire movement immediately, like any vigorous jamming of fingers or toys or anything like that. So much of sex is fast and we really have to slow it down. And, and there's really, um, you know, uh, that's just such a more pleasurable way to, uh, enjoy sex is to have it be sensual and slow and, and, you know, take the time. And we are so overcommitted today and we have so much going on. We don't have a tendency to take the time. You know what? Get a babysitter. Send the kids out of the house. You know, get somebody to take them out for the day so you feel totally comfortable. You know, you deserve that. It's really important that you pay attention to your partner. Vary up the positions not all of this needs to be doggy style. It might be a little bit harder to get some solid eye contact going on when face-to-anus things are happening, but there are a variety of positions you can try, like lying on your back with your hips elevated on, on a pillow, for example, my pillow, uh, or sitting on um, your partner's face in reverse cowgirl. There's different ways you can do that, and keep in mind, communication is key. It's very important. Um, and, uh, I, and it, it's not dirty. It's not creepy. The anus, the anus and the lower part of the rectum actually have very little fecal material, if any, which means, which uh, means it tends not to be nearly as dirty as you think. So, you know what? It's not that bad. And you know what? You strap on ladies, you put on that strap on and you take control in the bedroom. I mean, there is no kind of empowerment like that. I have Lan on the line. <laughs> Hello, Lan. Hi, Maureen. How are you? Love your show. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I want to win the prize. Okay. That's great. You win. <laughs> okay. It's yours. Okay. Okay, fantastic. Great. And so did you guess our little question, which is what quality is appreciated in women but not in men? Well, no. I have to say no. You didn't. That's okay. You still won anyway. It's mean it's it's nice. Like people appreciate women who are nice, but not necessarily men. They like the bad boys, you know? 
Well, say that again. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a quality that's appreciated by men and women, by men in women, and that is being nice. So nice women, you know, men are attracted to. But nice men, we're kind of like, eh, he's too nice. Don't like him. I want the bad boy. And then the bad boy causes all sorts of trouble. <laughs> you get it? Yeah, I get it. I can say that's true in my life. Is that true in your life? You sound like a nice guy, quite frankly. Well, you know. Well, yeah. I'm older, so I've become nicer. <laughs> the brains of men actually calm down as they age. Interesting. Yeah. But, you know, you make an important point. It's very important to be good in your relationship and not be angry and not yell unnecessarily. Leave your uh, address, Lan, with um, Amir, and uh, you'll, I'll send that out to you. ASAP. <laughs> okay, well, we're at the uh, end of the program here. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be on WCJ, no, CJOB, not W, CJOB in Winnipeg uh, with Jeff Courier. We're going to be talking about the infidelity that has struck Beyonce's life. And um, also just go to my website, Back to the Bedroom, uh, for anything, especially if you want to pick up a womanizer or, or, or learn about the Mona Lisa Touch, which is the hormone-free treatment for Vaginal dryness and GSM. Uh, remember, follow me on Twitter at Back the Number Two, the Bedroom. Amir, another bang up job tonight. Thank you so much. Fun as always. Great to have you, and uh, have a great week, everybody. And remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I am Maureen McGrath, and you have been listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at CKNW.com, the Radio Player Canada app. Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.